Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness. I'm Rodney over there, Steve. Hello. <laughs> uh, today we are starting on a fairly ambitious project. Uh, we're looking at doing a multi-part um, reflection upon one of the greatest cartoons to ever grace the television. Uh, that is Batman the Animated Series. Originally ran from 1992 to 1995. Uh, greatly uh, pushed upon everyone by the popularity of the 1989 Tim Burton Batman film. Although it looks nothing like the Batman film. Um, now, it's been a little while since I've looked at it. It's been a little while since Steve's looked at it. Uh, how do you think it holds up overall? Um, it depends on which aspect of it you're talking about. <laughs> if you're talking about the actual story, it holds up really well. If you're talking about the animation, it's a little clunky. It's a little clunky, but I do really like the art style of particularly the first you know, season of 60 episodes. You know, this was a daily show back when uh, I was in high school. Steve's not going to reveal was, how old he I was, was. I was out of college. You were out of college. I was out of college. He was old enough to be Batman. That's right. <laughs> I was working. You were working. I was working too. I was in high school though. So. Actually, I might have been in grad school. I was still working, but I might have been in grad school at the time. Right on. But it's a series that the writing was geared more toward an older audience. Um, it was simplistic enough that, that children could watch it. And apparently a lot of children did. It was a very popular show. To, to stay on every day. Every day for a few years. Yeah. And, and it spawned, um, what, one, two, three, four, five, at least five um, other uh, series. Uh, no, six, if you include Static Shock. I don't know. Is Was Static Shock part of the uh, animated universe? Because it did have an appearance of um, Green Lantern, voiced by, um, what's his name? Phil Lamar. Phil Lamar. All right. Well, yep. it was Batman the Animated Series, and you had New Adventures of Batman, Batman and Robin, Batman Beyond, Justice League. Superman. Superman the Animated Series, which was also very good. Justice, Justice League Unlimited. Unlimited. That's eight. Nine, uh, counting but, Static Shock. And then the short-lived spinoff of Batman Beyond. Um, the, I forgot what it's called. About the AI... Oh, Brother Eye? No, it's about a, a robot. Oh. A synthetic human. On the run for its freedom. And I uh, forgot what it was called. OMAC? No, it had nothing to do with OMAC. Anyway. Like I said, it was short-lived. <laughs> Very, apparently. I don't think I've ever seen it. Alright, so today we are looking at uh, season one. A plethora one. of of movies, one of which was actually a theatrical movie. The rest, yep. Mask of the Mask of the Phantasm, Mask of the Phantasm, the best Batman movie ever made. Yep, yep. Uh, Sub Zero, Return uh, of the Batwoman, Mystery of the Batwoman. Um, and then of course that spread Return. out into the Batman and Superman movie. Right. Well, that was three episodes, though. They just called it a movie. Uh, but you also had the return of the Joker from Batman Beyond. Mm -hmm. So, yep, it, it's the legacy. The leg, the legacy of this series is huge. I mean, Harley Quinn is had her origin in this series. That's right. As the the uh, Super uh, Man villain Livewire is also taken from his television show. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the characters ended up getting changed in the comic mythos to coincide with how they were portrayed in Batman the Animated Series. Mister Freeze, for example, 
was changed up a bit because of the way he was characterized in Heart of Ice. I don't even know if Mr. Freeze was a villain outside of the old Adam West series. I don't know if they ever had him in the comics prior to um, Batman the Animated Series. There you go. So, one of, yeah, one of us might be right. I know. I know they when they reintroduced or introduced the character to the comics, they went with the the animated series version of the character. Yeah, the guy from the Adam West series that was kind of a throwaway. Mm-hmm. You know, they. I mean, they just that that series in particular just made up shit whole cloth. Right. Right. But. Including Batgirl. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we Who would we go on that. to be a very major character. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's a whole nother ball of wax how, um, you know, television and, and movies affect the comic book portrayal mm-hmm. and how that affects canon positively or negatively. Right. Now, one of the most important things about this is the Batman of the animated series is different from the Batman of Justice League and the way definitely a lot different than the way he's portrayed in um, cinema or film. Yeah, yeah. I I think that um, it's unfortunate. I think they once you get Batman having to interact with actual... um, heroes with powers you have to kind of compensate for the fact that really he's just a guy Mm. he's got gadgets and he you know he's a expert martial artist or whatever and a great detective but can he hold his own against the fastest man alive wonder woman uh, you know a guy who can create anything with a thought so they 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 I'd probably out of necessity to have Batman on there. They like kind of changed him and he became more of a psychotic driven creep in the justice league. Yeah. Um, as opposed to the, the portrayal that they have in Batman, the animated series where it is more, uh, it's more of a human approach to Batman. I mean, yeah, he's Batman. He's not just a guy, but because you get a look behind the scenes as, you know, as him interacting with, with, you know, his fellows like Alfred or Robin, you get the human side of Batman and he's never really, uh, um, characterized as a psychotic creep. Nope. In, in this, no, he's, you know, just a guy. He's just a guy. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, he's Batman and everything, but he's not like, how did you do that? Because of Batman. You don't have that like bullshit, you know, veneer of psychosis. Right. Or, or crazed <laughs> narcissism. Obsession. Yeah. He's not like Trump, the Batman, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. which is, you know, kind of what he is um, to a certain extent in justice league. And certainly in, uh, you know, the movies that have come out um, after this, mm-hmm. you get like super obsessed narcissist batman right all bordering on crazed loner yeah kind of guy and in the animated series you get like you said a much more human you get as much bruce wayne as you get batman right he's out of the costume a lot in fact there's some episodes where he's bruce wayne most of the time And, and you also you get to see kind of like what what Batman's motivations are and, and you know, how, how Wayne as Wayne, he's trying to live up to his parents legacy and how as Batman, he's just, he's trying to, you know, tries to do some good. Uh, and, and in this case, you know, this particular episode that we're looking at feet of clay, uh, the only two parter we're going to look at in our retrospective, um, you you do get to see the kind of that that human side of of Batman, right? And this is this is a film that it, or or not a film, but a two episode arc 
that is it's possible it's more heavily influenced by like gangster films than any of the other episodes maybe yeah well yeah except for the ones with actual gangsters right (laughs) so the episode opens up and you have Lucius Fox meeting Bruce Wayne at the old abandoned uh, Gotham tram line. Now, Gotham has a lot of abandoned buildings. Like it sure major, does. major uh, infrastructure features that are just like abandoned. Right. And they're all like Art Deco. Right. So That's the best like part a, of the show. Everything so they were Deco. abandoned in the 40s. Well, that's one of the other things about the art style of this show is that on one hand, it looks like it's always the 40s in Gotham. And then you have Batman with his jet and his supercomputer and stuff like that, that he's recreating a guy's face from how it felt to punch him. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, I, I do... I enjoy the art style. It's one of the things that attracts you to this show mm-hmm. really is you, the clever mix of art deco, uh, 1940s, like style cars and like retro future, um, just technology. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the police have, have a uh, blimps mm-hmm. and like, and like weird, like helicopters that, don't look like anything that a regular helicopter looks like. <laughs> right. Right. And, and and the clothing styles are right out of the forties. All the, all the character designs are generally wearing 1940s, 1950s yeah, suits so it, and hats. And would we call this deco punk? <laughs> um, you know, it might even border on diesel punk. Tell you the truth. Um, Sort of, sort of like some weird cross between Diesel Punk and Atom Punk because there is like nuclear power and shit like that. So it's 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 definitely a, a unique fusion of looks, and even the music is like out of noir type films and series. Yes, and and you know the famous thing about the series is the the color palette is is dark Mm -hmm. to the point where you know they they actually use black um backgrounds Mm -hmm. yep and every episode starts with an old serial style title card Mm -hmm. i always thought that was kind of a throwback to the old uh superman um the The max stuff yeah yeah there's so, a lot of homages to, to the Fleischer Superman stuff. Oh, yeah, definitely. Especially like in character designs, the real simple, angular, you know, mm-hmm. every lady is an hourglass, every man's a triangle sort of thing. Yeah. But there's, they do mix it up a bit, and there's like several different kinds of body styles and whatnot that they use for crowd shots or incidental characters. But. All of your primary characters are hourglasses and triangles. With Except squares. for germs. Yeah. He's a bunch of he's a rectangle. Germs and uh Clayface. Oh, spoiler alert. Oh yes. Well, <laughs> if you hadn't guessed by the uh by the title of the show, Feet of Feet of Clay, that it is the origin story of Clayface. Uh, voiced by Ron Perlman. So they were able to get, uh, uh, there's a lot of like well-known actors. Uh, Daggert was uh, Ed Asner, for example. Yep. And, oh, that's in, that's in Heart of Ice, never mind. <laughs> don't, don't spoil that one yet. So R- Lucius Fox goes to meet Bruce Wayne at the old abandoned tram station. Uh, because he's got paperwork that shows that Daggert is another who is another uh, multimillionaire industrialist in Gotham. He runs a pharmaceutical company. He's big pharma. Uh, is trying to do an insider trading scheme to buy Wayne Enterprises. Right. 
it, this is actually one of the um, one of the reoccurring themes of the animated Batman series is the um, evil multinational corporations. Right. Uh, the only multinational who is totally above board and legit is Wayne Enterprises. Right. <laughs> uh, and unlike the films, because Wayne Enterprises, Bruce Wayne keeps Batman and Wayne Enterprises separate. Unlike right. the Nolan films where there he's like doing some really shady shit that would probably, you know, involve some SEC fraud or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So they uh Fox thinks he's handing over the papers to Bruce Wayne. It turns out to be a double cross. There are armed gunmen there and they try to kill Lucius to be thwarted by the appearance of uh, you know, some guy in Leotards um in a in a flying mammal motif. I have no idea why he's even in the show. <laughs> But uh, he comes in and he kicks everybody's ass. Uh, saves Lucius Fox. Uh, Bruce Wayne gets away. And we come to find out Bruce Wayne is being played by an actor. A famous actor in universe. By the name of... Matt Hagen. Mag- Matt Hagen. Yeah. Voiced by Ron Perlman, as we said. Uh, he is... Uh, an actor who suffered some type of traumatic accident and had his face all messed up and uh, poorly done reconstructive surgery. Uh, right. And, and he was approached by Daggett mm-hmm. um, to, to uh, revive his career, save his career by using this, this chemical called renew or renew you. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, it? Renew you. Renew you. Uh, which, you know, allows you to, you know, temporarily um, reconstruct your face, put put on any face you really want. Right. Um, there's a catch. A, it's addictive. Mm-hmm. B, uh, Daggett, instead of asking for payment from Hagen, who probably could afford it. Right. Uh doesn't want payment. Just, you know, every once in a while, you'll do me a favor. Right. We'll put your skills to good use. Right. Because what kind of dirtbag industrial industrialist doesn't want a ringer? That's right. Somebody who can be anyone. And, and, and Hagen's talent is to the extent that not only can he use the renew you to uh, mold his face into pretty much anyone, a la the Avenger. Uh, he is also perfectly capable of mimicking anyone's voice. He's a trained actor. Yes. Well, he's not just an actor. He's he's a char- he's he's a really good impressionist as well. Not yes. all actors can. You you get you have mighty fine actors out there, but not all of them can just perfectly imitate someone's voice. Uh, to the point where Bruce Wayne. The real Bruce Wayne has no idea how Lucius Fox was fooled. It's actually to the point where um, they voiced the fake Bruce Wayne by using the yep. real Bruce Wayne. That's right. That's how good it is. Right. Right. Kevin Conroy plays multiple roles. He plays Bruce Wayne and he plays uh, he plays quote Bruce Wayne. Right. He plays quote Bruce Wayne. Right, he plays Bruce Wayne, Batman, and Hagen as Bruce Wayne. He's so, so damn good that they cheated. <laughs> <laughs> but, so Batman starts looking into this. And this is where we come up with the scene where he reconstructs a guy's face from the feel of his knuckles on his jaw. <laughs> I know I've punched that jaw before. Yeah, see, now, just as an aside, to me... That is so much cooler as a Batman thing than, you know, paranoid Batman having six ways to kill everyone in the Justice League. Right. Yeah. That is just so much cooler. That's like, you know, that like he takes his role as Gotham's Dark Knight 
seriously because he can remember the feel of every fucking jaw he's ever punched. Right. That's badass. To to the point where he can go into a facial reconstructive program <laughs> that only uses four buttons and up, down, left, and right <laughs> to reconstruct this guy's face and automatically pull up his rap sheet. Yes. His address and all that shit. That's so much cooler than any any fucking other bullshit Batman that people grow about. Well, I mean, and then he goes from that into something else that was like really cool is that he uses uh, a transmitter on the Batwing to mimic a police call in a completely different voice. A woman's voice. A woman's voice uh, because he catches this guy because he's always got headphones on tuned to police radio frequencies so he flies over the guy and broadcasts this directly into his radio as though it were a police call to look for him to scare him make him run make him make a mistake and then batman is able to swoop in and catch him right with With his his, with his plane his very scary sounding plane his batwing with grappling hook grappling Uh arm Really, right? Grappling arm that is so finely manipulative that it can grab a guy by the wrist <laughs> and pull him out of the car <laughs> while simultaneously ripping open said car. Right? Yeah, it's like <laughs> crazy. And then, and then Batman. But that's does, what happens in Art Deco punk land. That's right. And then Batman goes into some enhanced ter- interrogation because he's got a guy, he's flying, and, you know, it, it it's a good bit of speed to get a, a fixed-wing aircraft to fly in a straight line. It's a lot more energy and speed to get it to do some of the maneuvers that he has it do, especially yeah. while carrying a 1940s-style car on the front end of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so he's got, he's got this guy... Out. So he's got this guy hanging by his wrist while he's flying at like probably three, four hundred miles an hour. <laughs> takes him, takes, gives him a dip in the Gotham River a couple of times. <laughs> you know, and and, and the fabric and of the suit with pinpoint accuracy drops him into a tiny swimming pool. Yep, a little kidney shaped pool on somebody's balcony from like half a mile up. Right. <laughs> Of course, after the helicopters come up and go, Batman, we need you to let that guy go, please. (laughs) (laughs) Batman lets him go to cops to get him, and they leave Batman alone. So so this is another example of how how the relationship with the police works in Gotham, is that he does actually have a relationship with the police, but somehow he's able to operate with, like, impunity he can do whatever he wants to the bad guys as long as he turns them in at the end right so enhanced interrogation he doesn't actually get anything out of it no which brings us to back to phase two of the plan yeah phase two of the plan where matt hagan has decided he needs to get more of the Renew You to fix his face. He just ran out of it. And decides to go right to the source. And his plan is to steal enough of it that he doesn't have to work for Daggett anymore. Right. And he gets caught. Yes. This actually happened a little bit before. Right. This happened a little bit before the enhanced interrogation. Uh, yeah, so he gets caught because he's a great actor, but he ain't no no uh, B and E guy, right? He gets caught and, he and to pretend he's really, Daggett said it. You don't have to track him down. Yeah, he'll come to us. He'll come to us because yeah, he by this time. He has outlived his usefulness. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which 
more speaks to like Daggett not really knowing how to treat an asset than Matt Hagen, you know, being a colossal fuck up. Right. Right. Daggett is like, he's, he's just like an idiot. He is. When it comes to like, um, using your tools properly. He just uses it until it's used up and then tosses it. And that's like his philosophy. Right. He's like, that person won't roll on us, right? No, sir. No, sir. He doesn't know anything. He was just an outside asset. Speaking of the first thug Batman captured from Daggett's operation. Right. And then he's got two guys. Uh, What was the second guy's name? The guy with the radio... Uh, he just had a regular name. He yeah. wasn't didn't have like a cool Dick Tracy name or anything. Right. He gets caught. Daggett's like, oh, he got caught. He won't tell anybody anything about me. You know, so, uh, yeah, it's time for phase phase two. Uh, you know, we've already... Get rid of Lucius Fox. Get rid of Lucius Fox. If we get rid of Lucius Fox, he can't testify. But, we're here, but which is dumb in and of itself because... Bruce Wayne turns, turned himself in mm-hmm. and paid his bail, right? Mm-hmm. Wayne's on the hook. Right. You know, even though he's like working to clear his name as Batman, he's still on the hook. And he's got Lucius Fox, who is going to say that it oh, was yeah, it, it was it, it it was Wayne. It was Wayne. The only thing he had to do was shut Hagen up. How do you shut how do you shut Hagen up? You give him what he wants, give him a shit ton of renew you, let him go on his merry way, tell him this is all yours, just keep your mouth shut. You don't no one's gonna come at you because nobody knows. Well, that's kind of what they did. Fantastic story. No, but (laughs) they didn't come to him and give him the offer. They were like, We're gonna kill him, and we don't even have to go and find him because he's gonna come to us because he's a fucking junkie. Right, and then he comes to him for the Renew You, and the bad guys, they catch him, and they're like, you know what? Let's give him what he wants. And they dump him, they dump so much Renew You on him that it fundamentally changes his molecular chemistry. Right, what I'm saying is they played it all wrong. Well, of course. They, they you know, I mean, I guess criminals are superstitious and cowardly lot, but... You, you could have just paid him to go away. You, you could have. You could have just you, paid then him Then you would away. have had it all. You would have had Wayne Enterprises. You would have had Bruce Wayne in jail because it's his word against Lucius Fox's word. Right. And the, and the unknowable side effect of if you had gotten rid of Bruce Wayne, you would have ended up getting rid of Batman, too. Right. Even though he didn't well, know that that was a benefit. Right. Just like what they did to Hagen was I, I can't justify it except for the fact that Daggett and company are just cruel. Yeah. Just needlessly cruel. Yeah, that that is that's that's accurate. Uh, Daggett is a very cruel man. Um and he's going to be even more cruel because he wants to sell Renew You to everybody in Gotham, knowing that it causes pain, knowing that it's addictive. So it's it's, it's kind of like it, it's almost like they were predicting with Daggett Pharmaceuticals, almost predicting the opiate epidemic in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it was the '90s, and there, you know, we did have an opiate epidemic in the '90s as well. We just, mm-hmm. you know, just um, I guess there weren't enough white people involved at the time. I, I suppose I suppose you're right there. But as, as as it turns out, through all the trials and things, that the pharmaceutical companies are, are were culpable in it. And, yeah, and very much like Daggett and Daggett Pharmaceuticals would have been culpable in addiction and 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 pain from the Renew You project. Right. I mean, you know, Gotham City, very libertarian society. You don't need FDA approval for shit. No, you don't need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's almost like um like a, a rapture. Yeah. Yeah. It Buildings. looks exactly like it. <laughs> except it's <laughs> underwater. 
<laughs> right. Watch you kindly. <clears throat> now, Batman starts figuring this out. Like, who could possibly be in infiltrating and disguising themselves as Bruce Wayne? And he finds out because Clayface goes to Gotham Hospital. He's he's recovered from his accident. He's realized that he has these powers that he can actually mold his physical form into anything that he wants. And it takes concentration, but on the side effect is, is that he is his cells have absorbed so much of the properties of the Renew You that he is, in effect... Uh, a seven-foot golem made of just pliable clay. Right. He's a shugath. Kind of. And he goes off to... He, his plan is to use his newfound abilities because he can mimic everything. Voice, clothes, appearance, whatever. Doesn't matter. He can do it. And he's going to take the place of one of Daggett's men. Primarily, germs, germs, who is a bit of a, a germaphobe uh, henchman, uh, cold, calculating. You know, he's he's a really good henchman. It's he henches that, very well. He henches very well. It's just that he's also a germaphobe and uh, kind of balks at the idea of going to kill Lucius Fox in the hospital. That that is such a clever just character tick that they put in there because really it nothing hinges on the fact that he's a germaphobe. It's not like a plot point. No. Right. It, but it's like really a really cool just characterization of this guy. Right. Most of the times what you see is just small little things like, you know, you'll notice that the animators draw him opening doors with a, with a handkerchief over his hand. Right and and not really wanting to touch, you know, being very uh, his his hands are always like up near his chest, so he's not touching anything. Yeah, it's just a cool tick. It's like you know, it, it's like something you would find out in Dick Tracy or something. Yeah, but I kind of like, um, you know, he's not really afraid of Batman because of being of him being Batman, who is also this kind of seven foot tall shrouded figure uh they really use the art style to play up the fact that he likes to intimidate people with fear uh, right and they draw him very intimidating uh you know cloaked in shadows almost the entire time and you know then he steps into the light and he's just like this big buff guy in a cape <laughs> but uh i like how he corners him in like the infectious disease room yeah, <laughs> germs doesn't give a shit until he's like he looks surrounded around by germs. Like, oh my like, god! Oh, I knew I should have taken all of these Albuquerque. All <laughs> these uh, viruses and bacteria. I can't be in this room. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he grabs a random thing and goes, "Red fever." Says something random. Very contagious. Yeah, it was crim- <laughs> crimson fever. That's like crimson fever. It sounds. <laughs> it sounds like something. And then he tells him, "Nasty way to go." Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and then puts the jar on the shelf above his head and just <laughs> punches the wall <laughs> and makes it rattle. It turns out to be like seawater, right? Proving that Batman is, you know, a lot of bluster, but he's not like a psycho killer. Exactly. Well, you know, that's like part of that's like, you know, your psychology role. That's how Batman operates. Mm-hmm. He knows his his um, he knows what he's dealing with. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things that makes Scarecrow an excellent villain uh, for him because they both have the same modus operandi. They both use fear. Yeah, well, that's like the good thing about a lot of the Batman villains is that, um, with a few exceptions, Clayface being one of them, mm-hmm. uh, you don't have a lot of superpowered villains running around Gotham. You just have a lot of like uh, 
psychos and, and hyper criminals mm-hmm. who have like a shtick. And often that shtick is just a, uh, just an amplified version of, of part of Batman's personality himself. Right. Like even Clayface, because uh, Bruce Wayne, Batman, is a master of disguise. Yes. Uh, to the fact where, to the point where he's cultivated, and I believe it shows up a couple of times in the animated series. Matches um, Malone. Matches Malone, who who is f- so firmly embedded in the underworld that it doesn't really matter that Matches Malone is gone most of the time. <laughs> right. So and that that's like that's just such a great aspect of it. And how do you how do you make a villain out of that? Well, you have a villain who can who basically is anything can be anything right so I, I, I it's always been like a um you know one of the the best parts of batman has never been batman himself right. um it's always been the fact that the the villains that he faces are always like just like a really dark reflection of of an aspect of him mm-hmm and it's that interaction between the the two characters, the dynamic. You know, how does Batman utilize his unique set of skills to thwart someone who is, you know, Batman, you know, is a little bit, he's a little bit of an expert in everything, but his dark reflection villains are usually superior to him in one of those aspects. Right, in, in that in their particular sphere of influence. Right. I mean, you really don't get to be a better master of the skies than someone who can take any shape person, do their voice, their clothes, their mannerisms Hmm. perfectly. Right. You you can't be better than that. And, and Batman can't fight fire with fire. Well, but he kind of does. He kind of does. And because he, but, but, it's because he knows the, you know, the psychology of that and how that all these guys, all these villains are, are batshit crazy. Pardon the pun, <laughs> but none of them are sane people. Mm-hmm. This is true. That's why they all go to Arkham Asylum and not to Blackgate Prison. Right. But even <laughs> even Clayface is not really insane. <clears throat> not well. Yes and no, because the way this thing ends, he really is kind of crazy. Right. And, um, and just because his his, you know, his personality has become so, I guess, generic mm-hmm. um, that that it's really easy to fool his autonomous nervous system into becoming all these old roles of his. Right. And that was a really clever way to to beat him. I mean, they had a physical confrontation and Clayface, you know, being, you know, soft and pliable material is pretty much immune to all of Batman's attacks. Right. Uh, So Batman decides to play on the actor. So having witnessed Clayface being able to shapeshift and transform and saw him do it involuntarily on the roof. Because Batman is such a striking psychological tool that he's turned into Batman for a minute. Right. Just for just for a second, he's able to put that together and figures if he can bombard Clayface with images of himself in all these various roles, that he can, you know, cause the transformations to go unstable and find a way to subdue him from there. And his right. and his whole shtick was to subdue him. Right. That, that, that's the thing, and it's just how much I miss Batman being a detective mm-hmm. because he 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 gets his ass kicked the first time they confront each other on the rooftop. Yeah. He hell he, he was he getting his a, ass beat by the thugs in the first act. But I mean, that's like, but that was like nine guys. Right. Still, I mean, you know, Batman he, these days he just drops in and, you know, doesn't even take a single hit and takes out nine guys. 
you know, this this Batman, you know, he like I said, you know, nameless thugs are are trying to take are taking him out and getting good shots. He did take he did take three three of them out at once with a leg sweep. Yeah. <laughs> but that one just random ass dude had him pinned on that cog. You know, I guess just to make the fight scene a little more exciting. You know? Yeah. I mean gotta have like exciting fight scenes yeah but i mean clayface handed batman his ass oh yeah um that fucking claw yeah the lobster claws the lobster claws it was awesome (laughs) but so he had to like figure out how am i going to defeat this guy and the the marv wolfman who wrote it Mm -hmm. uh took a page right out of the spider-man book of defeating foes (laughs) right he he basically like figured out, you know, what this guy's weakness was, and then turned it against him. But also, he had to like track him down. Mm-hmm. So I mean, so Batman figures puts all the pieces together. Daggett wants to um, to sell Renew You, and he wants to use Wayne Enterprises distribution to do it. Right. Uh, but he's, he's but he's also. You know, Hagen's after Daggett because of their past. Right. What the best time to expose Daggett and to and to get rid of him mm. would be on his interview with, you know, Gotham Today. Right. Right. And and he does. And he comes in and he's like, you know, why don't you tell him about the side effects? Why don't you tell him about the addictive properties of this stuff? Why don't you tell him about how it leaves you in total pain once it wears off? Why don't you tell them about me? And transforms from an an older lady into Clayface right there on national television. Or, or at least or at least, you know, Gotham television. Yeah, I'm wondering it's very similar to the scene in Total Recall. Mm-hmm. Two weeks. <laughs> For those of you who are familiar with the original Total Recall, one of the greatest action films ever made, Schwarzenegger's in this like weird old woman, like middle-aged woman disguise, and she's going through customs on Mars, and they they start asking her questions, and the program gets stuck. Get ready <laughs> for a big surprise! <laughs> but it's like kind of the same the same reveal. You know, you, you have like this woman starting to talk and then all of a sudden it's, oh, it's, uh, it's Hagen. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's a Hausa. Right. <laughs> and, yep. And Daggett is being attacked by Hagen, Batman, who snuck into the television studio in the most brilliant disguise ever. Yeah. A pair of coveralls and a cap over his Batman Over his cowl. And they took they they bothered to like make sure you knew that he was wearing a cowl underneath that that cap. Mm-hmm. It when his, his boots are sticking out, he somehow managed to fold his cape up into the coveralls and make it look like convincing. But yeah, and he just walks right in like he belongs there, just pushing this cart. Of janitorial supplies, just right into the control room. <laughs> you know, there you go, Batman, master of disguise. Right. And and then sets it up, and he, he pretty much uses one of like the editing suites. Although I've never seen anything like this at a television studio, where they have like banks where you can run multitudes of tape at one time. Yeah, so yeah, it was 1992. Mm-hmm. So they still they still had videotape. Yep. Yep, they were still using videotape. So and just analog remember, television cameras. Yep. In in uh well, you know, it's 19 Yeah, they weren't using 40, digital cameras then either. 1942 style technology. Mhm. Oh yeah, there's a lot of places that you see like computer art, banks or magnetic tape and parts cards. Punk. And shit. 
but except for Batman's computer, I don't think he uses any punch cards or anything in his. No, I mean he's he's the bat computer, right? The bat computer is four buttons, does everything. The bat computer is like the is like a computer from Classic Traveler. Mm. <laughs> it's just huge, right? And it does everything. It does everything. It's I mean, huge. Batman watches television on this thing. He, he does like complex chemical analysis and and facial reconstruction in three dimensions. Well, and the amazing thing about it, though, is in 1992, you know, right around when this was going, I don't even know if Windows was um, a thing. And if it was, it was like the first iteration of Windows. Right, right. So, I mean, you just think about what his computer can do. And what your computer did back right. then. Right. It's a fucking nice computer. It played Oregon Trail. Yeah. And and like a lot of, there's where the kind of the science fiction aspect of it comes into play. Because there's a lot of shit that Batman's been able to do for years, particularly on the animated series, uh, that just comes into play now. Like, yeah, that uh, can totally do like facial recognition software. Right. I think Batman Returns, <laughs> he had facial recognition software and CD drives. Yeah, he, he had that. Ugh, he was able to scratch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hell, that was way before the, the Pioneer CDJ was invented, where you could actually scratch a CD <laughs> like a record. Not only facial recognition software, but knuckle facial recognition software. Well, no, that was him just doing uh, forensic art. He was doing the same thing. I'm in- sure he probably had fucking uh, uh, telemetry from his glove. I've punched that jaw before. You know, <laughs> it the suit itself doesn't seem all that high tech in, in the no. Batman universe. It seems like it's just cloth. And, yeah, I'm sure. It's, just, it's Kevlar, probably. Well, I you know, his gloves and everything, it's like super Kevlar or something because that shit, he takes it off and it folds up nicely into a briefcase. Yeah, well, I mean, that's comic book clothing right there. Remember, Iron Man was able to put his whole fucking suit folded, an iron fucking Gundam suit folded into a briefcase. So Right. That's true. <laughs> There's some liberties are taken. Well, his his <laughs> Iron Man suit looked more like a, a suitcase. But yeah, all of it fit into a suitcase. And even though it was like, you know, the actual components. Like, right. <laughs> this is my forearm and bicep are one piece, and it's in there with the helmet, the boots, the gloves, the leg pieces. <laughs> the chest piece, everything. That man, you know, Iron Man. Iron Man's suit was like uh, Marie Kondo before Marie Kondo appeared. Yeah, except that Iron Man suit does not bring me joy. No. But the bat suit does bring you joy. And it makes more sense to for it to be kind of a, a fabric, more of a fabric material. Well, I mean, it's it's not like Batman in in the animated series is fighting Apocalypse. No. The worst that he goes against is the fucking Joker. Right. Or Clayface. Or Clayface, right. Or Solomon Grundy, somebody who's super strong. Or Bane, you know, somebody who, who has superior strength. And the armor really doesn't do you any good anyway. No, you know, right. It's more of a conceit of the films that that Batman requires armor in his. Well, costume. it's because because in live action, wearing uh, you know a lycra bat suit looks ridiculous. Right. I mean, no offense to the Adam West series, but it looks kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but. Clayface wins in this episode. You mentioned the end where he's like, he's got his system completely down where he can mimic anybody and walk around. But how he escaped. Yeah, very clever. Yeah, and how Batman figured it out later. You know, instead of being able to prevent it later, he's like, he's sitting there messing with a sample of Clayface's stuff. I guess, presuming just in case... You know, this shit got out and we had another Clayface. 
Well, there's a, a, a number of episodes where they have an ending like this, mm-hmm. where where Batman, you know, defeats the the foe, uh, but they fake their own death or whatever and um, go off to do their thing. Yeah. And then, you of know, course, you know, Batman does his voiceover. He was like, it's not affected by electricity. No. He was an actor, and he said it himself that it was a scene. I wouldn't be surprised if what they have at the morgue right now is just a shell. And then it's like, as he says that, they're doing like a cutaway scene of Clayface's body at the morgue, and it just crumbles to dust. Yeah, there's a there's a bunch of episodes like that, if I remember correctly. You got it's been a long time since I've actually watched a lot, most of these just because I watch them so much Mm -hmm. that I'm just sick of it. Right. (laughs) Well, you know, it's one of those things. It's one of the, 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 the best portrayals of the character. So, you know, I mean, hell, Kevin Conroy is so iconic that they're bringing him into live action. Yep. So, you know, it's, it's like that. And, you know, would you rather watch Batman 1989 over and over, or would you rather watch a few episodes of Batman the Animated Series over and over? Oh, yeah. Oh, most definitely. You know, Not or, that Batman 1989 was bad, because it's, it's a good movie. Right. right. It's got probably. flaws, but it's a good movie. In, in, in comparison. Probably the best of the live-action Batman films, to be honest yeah. with. Yeah. I would say that. Uh, although the 66 Batman film was pretty good, too. Yeah, but that's a different kind of good. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's that's one of the things, and this is probably one of the more iconic episodes, I think. Um, it was suggested to us by Matthew Galvain on Facebook. Yep. Thanks, uh, Matt. Thanks, Matt, for giving us something to talk about. And um, with that, we'll wrap it up here and uh, talk about... Uh, 30 luck points, Paul. That's right. Keep 30 luck points, and uh, we'll talk about another Batman episode.